Welcome to Inclusion Unlocked, where we explore the changing equity, diversity and inclusion landscape, bringing you fresh perspectives, lived experiences, practical tips and next practice. I'm Sasha Scott and I'm the founder and CEO of Inclusive Group. We're an equity, diversity and inclusion consultancy in the business of behaviour. Alongside our guests, we'll be exploring challenging topics and focusing on action, considering the practical steps each of us can take, whether we're leaders, HR practitioners, colleagues, to unlock inclusion in our workplaces. Today, it's an absolute honour to be joined by Dr. Amit Patel. Amit is an author, disability rights campaigner, speaker and diversity consultant. Amit worked as a trauma doctor before losing his sight overnight in 2013. After just six weeks on the wait list, Amit was matched with his guide dog Kika, who he credits with opening his world back up. After footage of the hostility and abuse faced by Amit and Kika on public transport went viral, the coverage left to Amit to work tirelessly with Transport for London to improve the experience of blind and partially sighted commuters. Alongside Kika, Amit has worked with many organisations to educate new audiences, changing attitudes, mindsets and increasing awareness around disability all along the route. We discuss Amit's personal journey and explore the inspiration behind his advocacy work. Amit shares crucial practical insights for both employers and indeed for venues and we'll talk about some of the incredible projects in the pipeline. Okay, so hello everybody and welcome to Inclusion Unlocked and today I'm just beside myself with happiness because I have a really, really good friend as a guest and you can hear him giggling away. So we've got Amit today, Amit Patel, Dr. Amit Patel. And as you'll have heard in the introduction, um, Amit has got an incredible story. So Amit, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, always a pleasure, always a pleasure. And um, look, Amit, let's just dive straight in because um, I know that I'm very close to your story, but we're hoping lots of people are new listeners and will therefore learn more about you and your story. So for those listening who don't know yours and Kika's journey, can you talk us through how you lost your sight and the role Kika played in helping you regain confidence and independence? An enormous question to start. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I haven't always been blind. I, I used to be a trauma doctor uh, specializing in major incidences. Um, and at university, I was diagnosed with a condition called keratoconus. And keratoconus was very much where your corneas kind of protrude out of your eye slightly. So it stops the light from refracting and hitting the back of your, your retinas and actually giving you great vision. Um, for a couple of years, I wore some very, very strong lenses to kind of push my corneas back into shape. And I, and I did this. I, I graduated uh, university. I, I worked as a doctor. And then it got to a point where I needed to have a corneal transplant. Corneal transplant, very simply, is, is the same as replacing a windscreen of a car. You, you you take the, the the clear screen out. You put a new one in. Everything should be fine. Not for me, unfortunately. I had every time I had a corneal transplant, 
my body would start rejecting it. And I went through eight transplants uh, in about six years. So every six months or so, I would have a, have another transplant to the point where it got to the last transplant, my last one on my seventh one. I was told, well, Emmett, if it if we can't, if this one doesn't actually work, we, there's nothing we can do. Obviously got to the seventh transplant. It started rejecting. I I went off to America. I found a way of, of regaining my sight. And that was having stem cell surgery done. Um, had that. And I had three years of fantastic uh, vision in those three years. Um, fell in love, got married. And this, and nearly, well, it'll be 10 years now. 10 years ago um, in, in November, it was, um, I came home from work one day. I went to, I had, had dinner with Seema, my wife, went to bed and there was a clot in the back of my eyes and my eyes just went pop. So I lost my sight overnight quite dramatically. And that was the start of my sight loss journey. Um, but, but moving forwards, it's obviously it was, it was dark and, 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 and lonely right at the beginning, but kind of looking back at it now, I've learned so much, um, about me, about people around me. Um, it's, I think, I think my sight loss has made me a better person. Um, but then an amazing creature, Kika came along in my life, um, who is my guide dog. And we were the one of the quickest matches in, in guide dog history, but we've had some adventures. We've, we've, we've had some, we've had some amazing adventures together. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I reflected yesterday actually on seeing a really great, um, Instagram post, which really sort of showed, I think it was an eight year anniversary or something, all of your adventures. I mean, your adventures are, are just, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't make it up, right? They are extraordinary. What, what's, um, can you give us a couple of examples of some of the adventures you've had with Kika? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, so since, since losing my sight, um, and, and where we are now, I've, we've got a six year old and we've got a three year old. So I think every day is an adventure when you've got a six year old and a three year old anyway. And Kika kind of, Kika's there. Kika's been through everything with us. She was there from, for the birth of each child in the hospital. She was there looking after my wife when she was giving birth, making sure that Seema was relaxed. Um, sec, well, that, when we when the second one was due, it happened so quickly that we couldn't send off the little one to her grandparents. So he came along as well. So Kika's now looking after the three-year-old at the time in the delivery room while Seema's giving birth. Um, but it's not, it's not just that. She doesn't, she's not just my guide dog. She is, she's kind of like my best friend. In a weird way, I talk to Kika like I would talk to a human being. I, I, I feel she understands me. She knows me. And she does. She keeps me safe every day. She takes me to work every day, brings me home. But work isn't just in London. Work isn't just catching a train and, and, and going into London. Work is sometimes jumping on a plane and going to America, working in New York, going to Canada um, and, and having to navigate um, in, in Canada. And I remember this, this about, about three years ago, my wife had just given birth to, to our daughter and I had to go to New York for work. And I said to Seema, I said, oh, would it be, okay, you know, would you want me to take the little one with me, the, the three-year-old at the time, with me to, to work with me in New York so you can have a good couple of weeks by yourself and, 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 and recover? And she said, yes, yeah, yeah, go for it, Amit, go for it. I didn't think anything of it. It was everybody <laughs> around me saying, are you sure, Amit? Are you sure you're going to manage this? And it was actually quite funny. We got to the airport and we're, we're checking in and they're looking at my passport, my son's passport and Kika's passport. Uh -huh. And the lady checking us in said, so looked, looked at my son and said, who's going to look after you, young man? And he said, my daddy. 
And she looked at me and she said, um, she said, who's going to look after you? I said, well, my son and Kika. And, and it's, it's funny that we did, we did uh, three years, uh, three weeks in uh, Washington. We did um, Philadelphia. We did New York with a three-year-old while I went to work. Nice. I took him to work with me every day. But he, he made sure that we had everything packed in our, in our hotel room at the end of it because he's used to that. He's used to doing the whole hide and seek and find everything in the room because, you know, his blind dad isn't going to see it. He helped me cross the roads. Now, now he realized that the cars were coming in from a different direction. Uh, there were no drop curbs like we do have back here. You know, everything is slightly different. But yet he did it and I didn't have to Incredible. think about it. And do you know what? It, to me, it didn't feel like a blind dad taking his son on holiday or to work. It felt like a dad doing it and and keek has been that that kind of key that that gives me that confidence that independence that that i know if i miss something she would spot it and it gives me that ability to to live my life the way i want to live it and this is this is a dog this is a this is a dog when you put the harness on she's a fantastic guide dog you take the harness off she's a lab she's a she's a yeah. lab hunting for food who, who loves to play around she's she's on her back with her legs in the air waiting for belly rubs you know but but she knows when she has to work. And that to me is, is an amazing bond. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've had the privilege of seeing you together as a family and seeing Kika working and Kika not working and Kika <laughs> eating carrots and stuff. And uh, she's she is an incredible dog. And I find it really interesting and not at all surprising that you and Kika are effectively knitted together, that you talk to her, that she she's someone that is almost a depository for you to talk to and who can sense how you are um, you know, in any given situation. Um, and, and Amit, you've had extraordinary situations, many of which have, have taken me and, and thousands and thousands of other people very, very... Um, you know, to the brink and more of tears um, and to observe the hostility. I, I, I hate asking people to to talk about bad stuff, but I think bad stuff can teach us to be better. Um, bad stuff? Absolutely. What, what do you think? And, and can you exemplify? Yeah, I th- I, do you know what? I'll be, I'll be honest. I didn't think, when I lost my sight, I didn't think, that I would have to justify the fact that I'm blind and I can still maneuver and navigate the world as, as the way I want to. Um, but you kind of see that you see the good in people and you see the bad in people. Um, and it's and it's not so much it's not so much the good stuff that it's it's the bad stuff that kind of eats away at you. It's it's the things where people turn around and say, "Can't you see where you're going when you're walking around with a white cane?" Um, it's it's when you when you feel that that shoulder that tense up just before it hits you, um, just to just because they want they think it's funny, um, where they stand in front of Kika and try and make her walk closer to the edge of the platform when when they could easily just take a step to one side um, uh, when when teenagers come along and spin you in a circle and say, now try and find your way. Or, or, or even, even, even thinking that, you know, taking a cane out of a blind person's hand and throwing it away uh, and laughing thinks, you know, it makes them feel great. But that's, you know, I, I, I never expected that. I never expected people to try and barge me out the way on an escalator because obviously I don't ride escalators for the fun of it. I'm using an escalator to, to get from point A to point B. Um, but when you can't see, you want to hold on to the handrail. If you've got a guide dog, they stay to your left-hand side. And it does mean that you block the passage for, for someone who, who might be in a rush. 
but an escalator takes 20, 30 seconds maximum. Um, it's, it's when you have to listen to someone belittle you for 20 to 30 seconds to say, well, why are you riding the escalator? Why can't you take the lift? Because not all stations have lifts. Uh, why are you riding an escalator at peak time? You know, everybody's got to get to work. Obviously, I ride the escalator just for fun at peak time. I'm not going to work. Um, <laughs> You hear all Obviously. of this, but then you also you also hear the great things. Well, uh, you know, other people getting involved saying, "Well, actually, what are you saying that to the blind guy? Can't you just wait for five seconds?" You know, or the worst the worst is though is when people take time out of their own busy lives to come over and say to come and catch me when I'm at the bottom of an escalator to say, "Oh well, you you know you should apologise to everybody you held up behind you," and you kind of think, "Wow,", wow. and that's when wow. that's when the rest of the communities kind of go in and go, "Well, no, actually, you didn't hold me back." There's you know there's a there's a tube every five seconds uh, in London. Um, and if you're that much in a hurry, you should have left earlier. You know, it's, it's that whole thing where yes. I make a lot of reassurance. I, 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 t- I, I get to places a lot earlier because I know I might need assistance. I, it takes me, I, if, I, if, I'm going, if I'm going on long journeys, I need to book assistance. And they, they always ask you to turn up 20 minutes or half an hour or even an hour sometimes before your journey. It's not as if I don't have anything better to do. Um, so being being disabled, it, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time extra just to make sure that I can get to places and I've got time and I've got a buffer. Um, but but people don't see that. People just see mm. you walking around. You know, I have to walk around with a confident face. So I have to look like I know what I'm doing. Half the time I don't. Half the time I'm in a new location. I'm scared and I'm, I'm nervous. I, I'm listening out for dangers. I'm, I'm trying to figure out where I am, who I need to go to, to f- even find a member of staff. So it's it's sometimes it's fantastic when a, when a member of staff or even even a member of the public comes over and says, "Are you okay? Can I give you a hand?" And do you know what? The moment I hear those words, I could breathe again. It's it's such a weird sensation. It's 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 all these wow. all these thoughts I'm having in my head. And and you know, did I take the right escalator? Did I did I did I turn left when I needed to turn right? Now I'm lost. And it's that how how can I tell people that I need help? Instead, you know, I don't really want to put my hand up in the air and say, please help me. Um, so it's great when someone actually sees you and says, are you okay? Can I give you a hand? Can I take you over to a member of staff? Mm. All of that, all my worries just disappear. And you know, that, that, that kind of frown just becomes a smile and it's kind of, do you know what, this is a good day. And that's what yeah. it takes sometimes. Yeah, I find that, I find that really, <clears throat> oh, sorry, I'm it. I, it's, I don't know why I'm the one crying, but I just, I just wish people could be kinder and it's just amazing that actually just, just someone genuinely going, can I help? Are you okay? Yeah. Just absolutely. can revolutionize your day. And Amit, I know, but I want I want to share this a lot. I know that you do a huge amount of advocacy work, both in your personal and your professional life. Can you tell us why it's so important to you and uh, and, and what kind of impact do you think it's having? Do you know what? All this starts off with my parents. It's 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 my upbringing. It's my brother's upbringing. We were told uh, if someone needs help, you help them. It's as simple as that. It was, you never walk away. If you can help someone, you help them. Um, and I was very, very, or I am, I'm still very lucky to have amazing role models as my parents um, who, who brought us up with, with that understanding, well, you know, we, it's, not, it's not about where you live, how much you earn, what you drive. It's about being happy in life. And sometimes it's mm. making other people happy. It's, it's sometimes sharing that happiness, sharing that love, sharing that generosity. And... And that's always been, it's always been the core. You know, I, I think being a doctor, 
it's always been a part of me it's it's when i'm when i was working and i had patients up from an any that i would i would transfer to a ward and i realized that they don't have anybody i i would i would end my shift i would go up have a cup of tea or coffee with them and sit down and have a conversation with them not as a doctor but just as a just as a as a human as a human being you know to make them feel that they're not alone that you know it's, it's a scary place and i understand that i've had transplants i've been in hospital i've seen the other side of things um so it's you know since losing my sight i think that's always been there it's always been that you know to tell people that they're not alone you don't have to be alone you never have to be afraid of life it's and it's okay to reach out and sometimes for me i'm very i'm very honest i you know you get the good the bad the ugly stuff um but that's only because people then can appreciate just how far I've come in my journey. It, it's, it hasn't been, you know, the lights turned off and oh, I found my way. It's it's been it's been a bit of a nightmare. But because of the people around me, it's made it easier. Um, so for me, the lovely thing is when I get messages to say, "Well, I mean, it's great you're talking about this because this happens to me and I don't have the courage to speak about it." People don't understand what I'm going through, you know. So if I if I can, and I'm very fortunate to have a great platform to talk about this. Um, but the but for me, the key is not to get angry about it. It's, okay. it's to have a it's to have a conversation, you know. I could sometimes I want to I want to shout. I want to be angry. But I know it's not going to change anything. People are going to hear me shout, be angry, and then just walk away. Um, for me, it's if I've had a bad situation, it's how do we make this into something that you know will never happen again, or that, that you know it's a conversation starter. It changes policies, it changes people's mindsets. And I know a lot of people want to help disabled people, but the one yeah. thing I get asked a lot is, I want to help, but I don't want to. I don't want. To, I don't want you to think that you can't do it by yourself. It's. I don't want to humiliate humiliate you. I don't want you to think that you're not capable of doing it. But I want to also tell you that I'm here to help you. And you know what? It's for me. If you see someone who looks like they need help, just go and say, introduce yourself and say, "Can I help you? Would you like any help?" And if they say yes, how can I help you? Um, okay. You know, sometimes, and it, and it's that. It's it's breaking down those barriers. You, you see a disabled person, you think, "Oh, do you know, am I am I am I going to make it feel very uncomfortable if I go over and ask them if they need help?" forget about that just 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 be yourself go over if you want to help don't let don't let that barrier of disability stop you or or you know and sometimes someone might turn around and say oh is it because i'm disabled you're offering me help you know they may be that person might be having a bad day don't let it stop you from offering help to somebody else yeah yeah and i think that's a really good takeaway from today as well that people um listeners can feel more empowered uh, rather than feeling worried that they do the wrong thing and um yeah i think i think that's really really helpful as well and and in terms of removal of barriers you i know you do specific work around venues and how individuals and workplaces could be more inclusive of people with disabilities um and i know that networking is a huge part of working life now have you can you give an insight as to some of the challenges you've experienced at networking events and why you sometimes go without kika absolutely the word networking fills me with dread as, as, as a blind person, I could, I could yeah. walk into a room and there could be 300, 400 people in there, but I could feel like I'm the only one in there because I don't, I don't see you. I'm, I'm complete. So being completely blind, I, I can't, I can't spot you. I can't see any facial expressions. I can't see where I am. So sometimes I'm led into a room 
and I'm left at maybe a little table. And I'm, and I'm standing there on my own. I can hear conversations going on around me. I kind of want to join those conversations, but I don't know whether someone's directing it towards me or they're, they're in their little groups yeah. or how do I join this conversation awkwardly? So I kind of stand there and can, you kind of have to wait for someone to come over and make conversation with me. Um, having Kika beside me is great. It's, it's, Kika's a great icebreaker. But yes. what we do is talk about Kika. And, and I'm like, well, that's not why I've come here. I've come here to, to talk about what I'm doing or what I could offer you or what you could offer yeah. me uh, with, you know, it, it's, 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 it's that. It's um, sharing ideas. But we've ended up talking about Kika for the last hour and now the event's over and I'm off. Um, so sometimes going in with just with the white cane is, is easier, but then it's, it's that whole thing where I work solo most of the time. I'm, I'm, I'm at venues, I'm at organizations, I'm at, I'm at conferences on my own with a white cane. So sometimes it, it takes other people to say, oh, actually, let me go and introduce myself. Um, yeah. And, and it doesn't always happen. I've, I've, you know, I, a couple of years ago, I remember being, I went to about 12 networking events in a row and I spoke to two people in those 12 events. Um, two people and I kind of think, well, wow. I need to show my face. This is, this is my, this is what I do as a, and then you kind of think about what well, I, I represent inclusivity, accessibility. Yeah, I've walked away sometimes not being able to get into a building um, or not finding the right member of staff to take me to to um, where the networking is. I, re I remember once going into a networking event I was, and, uh, and security asked me to sit down uh, at the reception and they forgot to get me. So I missed the entire event. I sat there. Oh, um, that's terrible. So, so it is hard. It, it, it really does fill me with dread. Um, but now I just find, you know what, just being that sometimes, sometimes I just have to bite the bullet and just jump into a conversation. It's, um, it's the only way sometimes. Um, and, and I think once you start breaking the ice, you start other people start joining in the, in the conversation or someone will say, oh, let me introduce you to, to this person or do you know what? You need to speak to this person and they'll take me across. But it's hard. As, as a 40-year-old, it fills me with dread, that word networking. It really does. Um, but I think it's, getting, it's slowly getting easier because people do hear me talk about how difficult it is um, networking and they, and they do come over and say, oh, do you know what? I, mean, I heard you talk about this a, co a, co you know, a couple of sessions ago. I'm coming to introduce myself, you know, and it's nice. And they'll say who they are. You know, they, they, sometimes they even describe themselves. Oh, by the way, I, you know, this is who I am. This is who I work for. This is what I look like. And it's nice because... I can build a picture mm. in my head. It's it's yes. quite it's it's quite strange talking to someone, and I don't really think about what they look like. But it's nice to have an image in my head of what that person looks like. Um, so for me, it's usually if I talk to someone, if they sound like someone I know when I had sights, that's who they yes. look like in a weird way. Uh -huh. um, just you know, hopefully it's someone I like. Otherwise, if it's someone I don't like, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to the conversation, and that's just how my brain works. Um, but yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I, I think I think you know we we all we all talk about inclusivity and being in, included and being part of the the um, part of the project or or, or or by being being part of the community. But sometimes it doesn't feel always feel that way. Yeah, yeah, and again, I'm I'm hearing that you you've had to become way more resilient, and you're the one who has to often be courageous to crack, crack the ice and start the conversation. And, and actually, sometimes, you know, mm. I was going to say that sometimes I'm, by the time I get to the event, because I have to think about all of this, I'm tired. I'm actually, yes. I've, I've, I've used so much of my energy in preparing myself for the event that when the event comes along, I'm actually quite tired. I just want to go home. Um, yes. 
And, and again, that people don't think about you know how you got to the event, um, how much energy you know or you, you can you can jump on a train, you can jump on a bus, you can catch an Uber. Sometimes I have to cross through London, and if there's if there's a strike, if there's issues, you know, I still have to navigate my way around as a blind person, and then still be be able to deliver what I is that I've come to deliver at the at the event, mm-hmm. and then make my way back home again. So I, I, I it's you know sometimes when people understand. It's not just not just right here and now, but it's everything leading to it, and it's everything you know going from here. Um, it all takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of, I suspect, emotional labour. Always, um, you know, people will be you know you asking you to come and talk about your story, which is what I'm doing as well. But all of this, I suspect, over a period of time, can be very cumulatively wearing on one. I, I mean, I, I bet it does mount up and you know, how do you decompress what do you I, do you do you build sheds and do diy what how do you how does you so know relax? me you so know me it's i i do i i i i try to do things that i don't really have to think about um my dad is is a great diyer he loves to get his hands dirty and i've kind of followed that it's um as, as a blind guy, I have I have a great a collection of power tools to the point where my neighbours look over the fence when they hear the the chainsaw going or something and thinking, oh my God, is that really I'm not surprised. Um, I'm not surprised, Amit. The, the, the fences outside my house I built, the decking in the garden I, I put down um, about six months ago. Um, the... the we we had we we had quite a lot of decking delivered um to to, to the house and the, and the driver delivering it said um where can i put it and i said oh by the way i'm blind if you just put it to one side um, yeah. i won't trip over and he said to me are you going to take all of this in by yourself and they these were four these are five meter length planks of really <laughs> really quite heavy decking and i said yeah i'm going to take it all in and he said by yourself and i said oh yeah you know open the doors and i'll make my way i'll do it one by one he said no yeah. don't worry i will do it for you it took him yeah. 15 minutes to do that where it would have taken me 15 hours to to, yeah. do, to, the, to bring it all in he said no no wow. don't worry about it I'll, I'll bring it all in and, and he told me exactly where he's going to put it do you know what 15 minutes of his time and he and that's not what they do they just do a, a driveway drop yeah, off drop. he said, no, yeah. he said yeah. no way am I going to let you take this in and do you know what I thought so wow, nice you, you didn't have to do that but it's I like to get my hands dirty. I like to build things. I like I like I like to get my kids involved. You know, I've I've got my dungarees on. I've got my I've got my tool belt on. My kids have got their tool belt on. They've got screwdrivers and a little. You know, I'm like, yeah. come on, it's a family event, and it's it's that for me. It's very much every day is is challenging. You know, the moment I walk out my house is challenging because I don't I can't yes. see the, the environment around me. My house, I know where everything is. My garden, I've safe. done everything in my yeah. garden. It's just, it's my safe place. I I like to yeah. I like to grow grow things in the garden. We like we like to be self-sufficient, you know, where we like to go out and grab the chilies from the garden, the coriander from the garden when we're making a, a salsa and all these kind of things. But I I forget that I can't see in a weird way. In my head, I've got a picture of what everything looks like. I'm, I'm, I'm using my hands. I'm using my power tools. I'm, I'm having a laugh with my kids. I'm having a laugh with my dad when he comes along and we're kind of working together. He forgets. Sometimes, you know, he whack me in the back with a long plank of wood. Cause, I mean, did you see that coming? Come on now. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I love that. I love the fact yeah. that blindness 
disappears yeah. for 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 half the day or a day um in our mm. house um yeah and and, and yeah, that I love to that. me is or i go and wash the car Okay, I, I, you love your cars, you, don't you? Petrol head, yeah. Yeah, so um, can you, I know um, I'm on the How Does Amet Decompress and I, I've got a hunch you're a pretty good chef as well. But can we talk a bit <laughs> about Top Gear and the Stig and can you tell us a little bit more about driving very fast cars uh, being a blind man? Yeah, do you know what? I, I, I still have, my, my car still sits on my mum's mom and dad's driveway. Uh, back back in Guildford, it's the one thing I haven't been able to let go. Um, so it, it still sits there. Mum and Dad hate driving it. It, it kind of gets it gets service, gets MOT'd every year, and it just sits there. Um, but it's it's the one thing I couldn't let go. I I I threw everything else out. I kind of started all over again. Um, but a couple couple of years back, I, I called up Toyota and and I said, I know you've got a huge car park at your Epsom headquarters any yeah. chance you can just let me just drive around you know just safely drive around give me give me any car i don't care what car it is i just want to because seema hides the car keys in our house um <laughs> so um it's it's something where i just want to i want to get behind the wheel of a car again because it's that freedom it's it's the freedom yeah. i miss the freedom i miss i miss the just being able to drive um and seema hates driving um and she, but she'll never let me drive. Uh, so they came back okay. to me and said, actually, actually, Amit, we, we know your background. We know what you used to do. And I used to be a rapid response driver as well as part of my work. And they said, we can do a little bit better than this. So about six months later, they called me up and they said, Amit, let's meet up at a disused um, runway in Oxford. And we will see, you know, you can, you can drive up and down in a car. And I thought, oh, okay, fantastic. We, we got there and they put me in an electric electric car and they, they introduced me to a guy called Mark who was an ex-rally driver who now does a lot of um, kind of driving instructions uh, and he kind of teaches rally drivers and kind of drives how to drive fast, how to drive safe, all, all of this. Um, so he introduced me to Mark and we got in the car together. The only problem with an electric car is there's no feel. There's no sense of how fast you're going or okay. what you're doing. It's just very mechanical. It's just very, right. kind of, you put your foot down and then you kind of get that noise. Um, so we, we kind of drove up and down the runway. And I said, I said to Mark, I said, this is great. But I, can't, I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, it's, I, there's, no, there's no engine noise. There's no gears. There's no clutch. There's no, there's, there's no feel. Yeah. And he said, yeah, I understand that, so um, we, we got out of that car and we jumped into a Toyota GT86, uh, the car they use for Top Gear, and got in there and I thought, oh, okay, now this feels better. I'm a little bit lower to the ground. I can kind of feel where everything is. Mm -hmm. Everything's kind of got that, that nice kind of sturdy, I know what, what I'm going to do and all this stuff. And we're driving up and down. He said, Emmett, I know your background. He said, do you know you're 45 degrees, you're 90 degrees, you know, can you do it as a blind guy? I yeah. said, nobody's ever asked me to do this in a car as a, as a blind guy but as i was taught to, to drive a car use not using the speedo but using the revs and, and the braking and, and and the deceleration by the gears and all this stuff and i was taught to use all of this by a um a traffic police who who taught me right. how to drive really quickly with the blues and twos on um so I, it was all about the feel and the sense and all of that stuff and so we said, Let, yeah, let's do it. By the end of it, we were doing 130 up and down the runway, doing donuts, <laughs> doing, and it was very much right. I'm at 45 to the left now, and off we go, 45 right. to the right, 90 degrees. And then he went back to, and so Mark went back to Jose and said, look, I think Amit's a little bit better than you you thought. Um, so then 
then, then Toyota called me up and said, look, we sponsor Top Gear in the fact that we provide them the car to do the, yeah. Um, yeah. the, the reasonably fast car for the celebrities. We, we're going to get you in that car. And we, we, we went to, we went to Dunsfold, uh, where they filmed Top Gear. Uh, I had one morning of driving around the track in the wet because it was raining whilst planes were landing every half an hour. So we're up and down the runway doing the circuit and then we'll get the tour, the, the, the call on the walkie talkie say, uh, clear the runway. We've got a plane coming in. So we'd have to move out the way. Plane would come oh in and we'll goodness. start up again. And then on then the next day was the day we're going to record. So we had we had a few hours of um of uh, practicing, and this was the car they actually filmed the Top Gear in. So no dual control. There was it was the actual car. The only command. The only wow. request was Amit, just don't, don't, just don't crash it because we need to film in this car in in a week's time. So every time we would do the lap, we would come back in again. We would have a debrief and we'll kind of do it again. And then I had one chance to do that final lap and luckily Seema came along to watch it my son was what three years old at two and a half three years old at the time he was just interested in the fire engine stood there as, a, <laughs> as, a, as an emergency vehicle um but we did it and um, we came in Amazing. fifth fastest from all the celebs Amazing. and I do say if it wasn't for Mark's ballast in the car I think yeah. I could have got top three <laughs> um but yeah do you know what that that to me it, it really it really amplified the fact that people trust what I do um, and then you know it's that whole thing mm. where well do you know what well, this was a great opportunity and it only happened because people thought I could I could do it and um, what you know even sometimes I wake up in the morning and it's that whole imposter syndrome it's like well yeah. you know am, am, am I am I qualified to be around this table I'm you know or should I be around this table should I be doing the job I'm doing and I kind of have to pinch myself on do you know what I'm at you've worked hard this is where you need to be you know okay. um I never I don't really I don't really advertise my work but yet work is busy and it's and Seymour mm -hmm. always turns around and says well it's because you're good at what you do and sometimes you just kind of need to hear that Absolutely, absolutely, and and you smash stereotypes as you go, and so um, you are really you know changing people's perceptions. So your your platform, your advocacy work, your achievements are absolutely awesome, awesome, and and I think you really need to hear that because so much respect for you, uh, and I mean, as ever, the clock is ticking. But I and I still want to a couple of a couple of things I want to put uh, ask. One is um, I don't know what you can tell us, but uh, you know what what does the next year or so look like for you in terms of interesting projects or how you're using your platform for good? I don't know if you can share anything on that. Absolutely. So we we've just finished a a TV show for CBBS. Oh, wow. And I can't really go too much into it, but it kind of it comes out in November. It's uh, it, it stars me and Kika. Um and you follow our journey. Um which again it's again it's taking away those mm. stereotypes of um a blind person can't do this. For for me yeah. it's it's very much, you know, don't see the disability, look at the ability. Don't look at someone by their disability because the whole thing the whole disability thing I, I overcome it. I, I, I'm completely comfortable with my disability, but people around me aren't. So it, yes. it's trying to smash down those barriers and say, well, look, we're, we're all different. You know, we, we, I, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's quite an obvious disability. If I've got a white cane, I've got a guide dog, you know, you know I'm vision impaired. But some people have got hidden disabilities, but yet they are, they're smashing their, their, their 
you know, they're, they're, they know what they want to do in life. They're going through it. They're not letting their disability stop them. And sometimes they feel like they have to hide their disabilities because they feel that hmm. the moment they mention it, people see them yeah. differently. I don't have the ability to do that. So for me, it's very much, you, this is what you, what you see is what you get. Um, but uh, we're very fortunate that I was, I was lucky to, to write a book about, about my life called Kika and Me a couple of years ago, which surprisingly did very well. It's, it's, it's not surprising. About- not it's, it's surprising weird. it's an amazing book it's it's weird in a way that that i kind of think well would it would it interest anybody and and even right at the beginning it wasn't so much of a sight loss journey it was mm-hmm. a journey and and it was a great place for my wife to talk about you know the other side because people people always ask me how are you doing i forget about the carers i forget about the people in the family and how are they coping with that that person with a disability you know how are they doing so it was a great platform for my wife to actually share her experiences when i lost my sight and how it felt how it impacted on her and what she was going through um but we're with that's that's a must reader about i think it's about 12 or 15 universities in america um really about, about 12 universities in india um wow and that's that to me is amazing but the fact that the book is now being adapted to a film is incredible is incredible is to have to sit down and this is not this is to sit down with with disney to sit down with netflix and prime and they then tell you well we want to make your book into a film you kind of think okay um this is this is big but we we've we've um landed with a producer and a director that I feel comfortable with someone that I think will do the book some justice as well. We didn't want to make a lot of the um, a lot of um, the adaptations were take the book away from London and put it into New York, put it into uh, an American city. That wasn't the story for us. It was very much a British story. I want the British humour. I-, I love a British film. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping there's a huge Bollywood dance scene in there um, <laughs> because we can. It's it's but it's. In a, in a nice way, but even even writing the book, it's, sometimes I feel strange when someone comes over to me, a complete stranger, starts talking to me about my life, and then maybe five minutes into the conversation, you say, oh, yeah, by the way, I read your book. And you think, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Um, <laughs> because it's... Uh, that, it's yeah. That, you know, my life is... That is surreal. It's a bit surreal. Your life is out there, and that, that is um, something that must at times feel, maybe, again, quite draining. But... Um, the, the the book is a great platform as well of spreading the word, and I think the fact they you know made it on onto these reading lists is absolutely brilliant. Because again, through future generations, you're changing attitudes and mindsets through your own experience, and yeah, it's amazing. It's it's yeah, it's brilliant. I I, I know we've only got a couple of minutes left, and I also want to say that you know, you your vocalization of your support system. Um, you know, Seema, your kids, your fabulous parents. I do always feel that there is a whole community with you that is there uh, and everyone's looking after each other and, and that's so genuine and so loving and so, so strong. Uh, I, you know, I think, again, it, you know, I'd, I'd like to say thank you to those people as well, Amit, because they're part of the whole structure, aren't they, of everyone hanging out for each other. <laughs> Do you know what? Ab- ab- absolutely. When I, when I lost my sight, there was nobody I knew who was who was visually impaired. There was nobody, you know, and you kind of feel angry. And you don't know why you're angry. You're just angry. I was angry. 
And I'm not surprised. I've, yeah, I've met some incredible people who who are either going through the sight loss journey with me, or they've already been through it. So to be able to put their arm around me and say, "I'm at, don't worry, be angry, get out of your system," you know. But once you're ready, we're all here to help you. Um, and I couldn't have done it alone. As you know, I've met some incredible, incredible people who have given me the strength to stand back up again and hold my head up high, because I lost, I lost who I was, what I was, my identity, my you know, it's that whole anger of I've worked so hard to be a doctor, and now is this what my life is going to be like? But looking back now, my life hasn't been this beautiful. It hasn't been this loud. It hasn't been this amazing ever. And this is a, this is a blind guy talking. This is you know I my I I appreciate everything so much more. I I understand that you know things things don't happen overnight. And I and I think I think a lot of people are so used to things happening overnight. You know, pandemic came along. Mm. I think people's mindsets are slowly different now. You know, they realise just how much of a network you do need, how much help and support. And it's okay to reach out and say, do you know what? I'm struggling. I need some help. And for me, absolutely, it's not, it's not just showcasing the good. But it's also talking about the the hard times, the things that people don't always want to talk about. It's the things that they don't always want to share. But if I feel I can say something that's that's helped you move forward, I feel I've done something good in my life. Yeah. Um, and it, and I'm more than happy. You know, it's when I when I do my talks, it's usually after the event that people reach out and say, "Look, I didn't want to talk about this pro- in public, but I'm struggling with this, or I'm having I'm having issues with this. Can you help me with this?" That's what it's all about. It's being there for one another. Yeah, and and that is absolutely what it's all about. Um, and uh, you know, Amit, thank you for giving us your time and um, really sharing some very very powerful insights, takeaways, everything. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, Amit, thank you. It, you've been an amazing, amazing guest. I could talk to you forever, and I'm just <laughs> very lucky to have you in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, I'm, Sasha, I'm lucky to have you in my life because, again, there's people like you who, who saw something in me when I, I didn't. You know, you're the one who said to me that you could do this and you gave me you gave me the power and, and the self-belief that, actually, I can do this. And, and that's, sometimes, that's what it takes. It's, and I always say, you know, I, I stand up high, I do what I do, and it all started with you. Wow. I knew this discussion was going to be moving and packed full of inspiring insights and practical tips. And this definitely did not disappoint. Amit, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for everything you've done and are doing to highlight adversity and to create change. I'm delighted that your and Kika's work is reaching a broader and wider audience. As ever, thanks to everyone who's tuned in to this episode of Inclusion Unlocked. Inclusive Group provides education and commercial solutions around well-being, culture and inclusion, helping you drive real change. We work extensively with organisations, HR functions and leadership teams to navigate a changing diversity landscape. If you'd like to hear more about our work or arrange a conversation, please click on the link on the landing page of this episode and follow the link through to our website. We look forward to connecting.